Welcome back to another recording of the Elevate Media Podcast. I am Chris Anderson, your host. And today we're going to be diving into a topic that really anyone can benefit from. But especially if you're early on or starting out on your journey that might come up in your thoughts or conversation is, how do I price my thing and how do I price it correctly? And so we brought on the price whisperer today on the show. He's going to break that down for us, help us get some actual tips on how to price our product services better to make more profit. So we have, let me say this right, Pear Chauffeurs on the show today. Pear, welcome to the Elevate Media Podcast. Thank you so much. I, it's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. We're looking forward to this. The Price Whisper. Where did that nickname come from? It really came from, I was part of a networking group here in the in Los Angeles where I live. And one one guy, I used to be called the pricing guy, right? <laughs> And because everybody knew what I was doing and I, and it's something that is very unusual and, and all the folks that I've ever met, almost all the folks that I've ever met says, says that, how did you get into this? And, and I've never heard about somebody that's an expert in pricing and so forth. Anyway, I, in that networking group, there's another guy that called himself the, the pitch whisper, right? <laughs> So he helps companies and entrepreneurs to really refine their pitch. And he came up with this, the price whisper. And since then, I was the price whisper in that group. And because I got this wacky name that nobody can uh, <coughs> say, really, right. and albeit you did, a very, did it very well. Thank you. And certainly can't, if people can't spell to it. It makes perfect sense in my native Sweden, but, but that's not where we are. So I, I decided to adopt it. And you do a Google search for the price whisper and you get a million hits. Yeah. So with that, so out of everything, out of all the possible topics within business and helping entrepreneurs, why pricing? Oh, the background is that I ran companies, a couple of companies in Europe, and, and then I've been running several companies here in the States too. And in, in all of those, we did experiments with pricing only because it was an interest area. And some experiments work really very well, like next quarter revenues are up 25% or so. Others were complete duds. And and what I had learned in business school about pricing was so academic and theoretic that it was really useless information. So eventually I decided I was too old and too opinionated to be a hired gun. And I developed a process that makes every pricing experiment a success. Mm. So with that, so when people are looking to price their their products or their coaching, you hear both sides of the camp. Mm-hmm. Low ticket offer and just scale it up to a lot of people. High ticket offer so you have to have less coming in. Where do you sit with that? Is there another route or how do people figure that out, that decision? The right answer is that you need both. Okay. But whether you sell a product or a service, you you do want to have you do want to have a good, better, best offering to your clients because that means that you can capture volume with a with a good product and you can capture profits with the best product, right? Mm-hmm. And in in that's sort of a mistake that many entrepreneurs do that they don't that they have this is my offering and that's it. They only have one product or one service. And and another mistake that many entrepreneurs do is try to look at look at a competitor and set the same price. Mm. That's often the the first step into the commoditization death spiral. And and because 
you set the price the same and then suddenly you have the same features or you promote the same features, you, you have the same value statement and so forth, and suddenly you're a commodity. Mm-hmm. And a commodity is sold on price only, meaning that the low price will get the business. Yeah. And, and the low price means that you eventually have no profits. Yeah. Right? So how do you go about doing that? How do you make sure that you are pricing competitively to make a profit? Like, how do you find that sweet spot? First of all, you need to decide who are your customers, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and figure out which of the various customer categories out there, or call them personas, or call them avatars, whatever, mm-hmm. but which of these customer segments would support higher prices and more profitable prices than others, right? And and then understand what would make them buy because this is also another one of these very odd mistakes that, that a lot of companies do, even large companies and well-established companies. They look at revenue, not at profit. Mm. And, and it's without profits, eventually your company will die. And this this is such a any executive knows this right, and and then they then they say yeah this is profits are good but then in the next fifteen minutes they go and say slash our prices and start a price war, right? <laughs> yeah. And because and if you look at some of these, some companies can be unprofitable for a very long time because they have investors that support them for a long time. But but most companies cannot. You look at Amazon, they were unprofitable for whatever, 15 years. Hmm. Same with Uber, for example. And um, But look at Amazon today. They have a, a profit margin of a whopping 1%, roughly. Yeah, They turn over a lot of cash, but they don't make a lot of profits. Why is that important to make sure you have enough profit when you're growing your business for those listening? Because profit is something that you put back in the company, Mm -hmm. certainly when you're in the growth phase. And what that means is that you can develop more products or you can develop more versions of the product simply because you have the resource. You can define more services. You can spend more money on on. On your on, on your marketing and your whole market development, marketing and sales and so forth, you can even hire better people because they are often often yeah. more expensive, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so that's why profit size is so important. And <clears throat> if you look at it, any company has a resulting profits that comes from only three variables. It is the cost total cost of the operation, it is the sales volume of whatever you sell, and it is the price of whatever you sell. And of these three, pricing has the highest leverage on profitability. Why is that? Because it, it, it affects the top line. Mm. And in fact, for the average company, pricing is, is three times as effective in driving increases in profits than increases that than sales volume would be. Hmm. And it's twice as effective in driving profitability 
compared to cost reduction. Hmm. And once you know that, and in fact, for the average company, I do something I call the 1% challenge, right? Hmm. And, and the, imagine that you can change one of these three variables, 1%, right? Mm-hmm. For the average company, obviously, there's no average company, but for an average company, a 1% increase in price or a 1% decrease in discounting, because that's the same thing, right? leads to an 11.3% increase in profits. Hmm. Now, when you have that in mind, suddenly the salespeople, if you sell through salespeople, are not allowed to discount 25% anymore. Suddenly, they have to close the deal with only 10% discount. Right. And, or in some cases, you send out coupons, right? Mm. Suddenly the coupon is 10% discount, not 20% discount, right? Yeah. And so forth. And when you start looking at your organizations through that 1%, everything is changing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and why I'm calling this the 1% challenge is simply because have you ever failed to change anything 1%? Hmm. No. Think not, about it. Yeah, that's not much. No. Yeah. And that's why companies who focus their operations on profitability mm-hmm. and focus their operations on looking at the companies through a lens of profit and so forth typically end up as the market leaders. Yeah. For the so reason that they have more resources than competitors. Yep. Yeah. So when we're looking at that, when we're looking at our business, our numbers, what's a good percentage for profit margins from your perspective for businesses? Oh, the, it, it, it there's no silver bullet. Yeah. More is better. For sure. And I guess what's a safe, what's a safe percentage, would you say? A company's doing well if they have this percentage of profit. The average company, the average, when we back into average, the average company has a pro, resulting pre-tax co- profit of about 10%. Okay. Right? And, but I just mentioned Amazon with the profits of, of 1% roughly. Right. And imagine if they could increase their prices with 1%, they suddenly have profits of 2% and we're talking billions of dollars. Yeah. Right. And imagine then what they could put into even more market development and so forth. We have Walmart that is actually coming up as a strong competitor to 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 Amazon. Yeah. So if you're but if you're a smaller company, that 1%, I guess it still could make an impact over time. Absolutely. You mentioned coaching here. And, yeah. And imagine that Really imagine that if you, if you're a one man band kind of consultant, consultant or coach, maybe you have revenues of I don't know, pick a number, fifteen thousand a month, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to do one percent, right? You want to do ten percent, right? Right. And suddenly you make another fifteen hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Now what do you do with the fifteen hundred bucks? Maybe you put more ads out. Maybe you you do more SEO stuff. Right. And you spend it on Google ads, right? Yeah. So it's, and maybe you, you take the time and the effort to really understand who the particular customer category is that, that do support higher prices and 
understand what, what they specifically are looking for in terms of messages and so forth. And then maybe you can increase another 10%. And suddenly you make three grand more than you did, right? Yeah. So when people are look, is there a cadence to how often these maybe solopreneurs or small businesses should look at their prices and change, increase those prices? Is there a good cadence for that or? It depends. It depends on what business you're in. And because every market, every market evolves, right? Right. And there's new competitors coming in. There may be technology coming in. There may be companies that disappears and so forth. And, and because of that, it really depends on how quickly that marketplace that a company is in is, is evolving, right? And um, oh, yeah. I, and sometimes companies do things that that sounds very odd. I had a conversation with a a new restaurant chain hmm. the other day, and actually not a restaurant, but a, a burger chain. And they had this wonderfully smart idea of putting their very first burger restaurant in between a Chipotle's and a, a McDonald's. Why not a couple of blocks away? And this, of course, was a spectacular failure, right? Yeah. And uh, so sometimes common sense is not always common, right? <laughs> Which actually was something that this was coined by Voltaire back in 1642, I think. Common sense is not so common. But in French, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you were to start all over and build a business, one, what business would you focus on? And where would you put your prices in today's market? If you're starting right now, if you had the the want, the need to do that, where would you start and where would you land your prices, do you think? Oddly enough, a couple of maybe 10 years ago, I did start another business on the side. Okay. And it's a, and, and it was a failure, right? Okay. But that was in the high-end audio industry. And, and, and I, it, it's something that I personally love because it's music. And it's high tech, right? Yeah. There is no business there, which is the problem, right? There's a very small business. And what we found was that this is a this is very odd. This is a business where the buyers of this high-end audio gear don't really care about business, right? <laughs> Sorry, don't really care about music. Mm -hmm. They're just buying to to compare A with B and with C and and you had these guys, we, we were exhibiting, and you had these guys coming, because it's almost totally a male-dominated industry. We have these guys coming in and listening and say, oh, this sounds so natural. Maybe it did, but they've never actually heard a live audience, whether they've never heard a live performance. Mm -hmm. And live meaning um, un unamplified, right? Okay. If they did, it was 40 years ago, right? <laughs> How could, what, where's the, anyway, so it was a failure because we didn't have enough money to build a brand. Mm -hmm. Because what we found was that these folks, they, in, in that particular industry, the, the differences between different products and different speakers and amplifiers are so small. Mm. That that you really you cannot hear it to be honest, right? They think you can hear it, but it actually comes from the brand value. Yep, you know. Yeah. So, like, how do you compete with 
if you're in an industry that is like full of bigger brands, well-known brands, is there a way to still compete and price well? Or should you maybe look in less saturated or not saturated, but less markets with branded? It, uh, it's all about differentiation. Mm-hmm. It's all about the, the, It's all about understanding customers and understanding the customer category that will support more profitable prices than other customer categories. Understanding the the sort of go-to-market strategy that particular that particular customer category cares most about, right? And this is what marketing channels they like, what marketing message they like, how they want to learn about products in this category, and what sales methodologies and channels and so forth. And when you know all that, you can serve that that constituency better than competitors, even if they're big companies, right? Okay. Yeah. And because of that, it supports higher prices. Okay. Yeah. So starting out, what would, or they're early on and they're really trying to figure out their pricing. What would the top three things you would tell them to do? Obviously, and one might be know your customer avatar, right? You mentioned that multiple times. Are there any others that you'd really have them focus on? There there is a methodology new companies or can do or struggling companies can do. And that is that you want to find, or this company, you want to find 25 potential buyers, at least 25 potential buyers. More is better, right? Yeah. Now, these are not your current prospects. They are certainly not friends and family, (laughs) right? But people that could buy the product or service if they knew you, you existed, right? Okay, yeah. And then you approach these people, and if this is a consumer goods kind of thing, how do you do? Maybe you go down to your local Starbucks and you ask, can I ask you a couple of questions? And I buy you a coffee, right? Yeah. Um, and if it's B2B, it's a little bit more involved, but you can use LinkedIn and stuff like that. And and then you ask them, first you describe your product. Mm-hmm. Right? And you confirm that they understand the description, right? And you do that by asking them to describe it back to you. Right. Yeah. And then you ask them two questions. The first question is now that you understand my product or my service, Mr. Customer, what is a price that is so low you think that this is not going to be any good? Mm. That we are over promise and going to under deliver. And because of that, you are not going to buy it. Hmm. Right. Yeah. And then you say, and the phraseology here is very important because it needs to be what it, it needs to be. What is a price that it essentially is so low that that it sets an expectation of inferior quality or benefit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then you ask the customer another question, right? And that is, and now let's look at the flip side. Let's look at if my product or my service is better than you can ever imagine that we are under-promising and over-delivery. What is a price that is so high that you still wouldn't buy it? Hmm. Okay? Now, then you take the average of these two. You have the too low and the too high. You take the average and you have the span of where your prices should be. Yeah. Okay? Hmm. Now, if you continue to do this and you do it, obviously, 
if if somebody says pricing that is completely out of whack, like this pen, you know, a million bucks, right? Those do you ignore, right? <laughs> or, but but if you can continue and do this to another twenty five or another twenty five, so eventually you get up to maybe a hundred people, mm-hmm. uh, and this could be done over several months, right, mm-hmm. or maybe even a year, depends on your business. Then you can start seeing if certain customer categories have have a span that is higher or lower than other customer categories. That's and, a very interesting person. I like that. That's a good thing. I never thought about going and asking like what price would basically you not purchase because it seems too low and I'm not going to get value for it. And then the opposite, that's a very, I really like those questions of, you know, a murder, yeah, having those. We've all been there. We've held something in our hands and either physically or metaphysically. And, and we say to ourselves, I want to buy this, but at this price, no. Yeah. yeah it's either bad. It's going to be bad quality. It's not going to last or like, it's not worth that price kind of thing from both perspectives. Exactly. And we also have been in the same situation that I really want to buy this, but it's just over my budget. I can't mm-hmm. afford it. Right. Let me give you an example. Right. Yeah. Um, this looks like a pretty normal smartwatch, eh? It's not. It's a smartwatch, right? But it also checks my blood sugar, mm. my, my uh, what do you call it, blood pressure, mm-hmm. my blood oxygen, and all that stuff. Yeah. 62 bucks. Wow. These guys are leaving, I would say, about $440 on the table. Yeah. Imagine if you're a diabetic and you have to prick your finger all the time, right? And not only that, these testing strips and stuff like that, I think is like 30, 40 bucks a month. And this watch, do it all. Wow. And so here's a company that says, we got to be cheap. We have to be cheap because first of all, they're Chinese. And the mindset in China is those questions that I mentioned Mm -hmm. doesn't work in China. Really? Yeah. There is no conception that something can be too cheap. Wow. Yeah. Huh. It's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. And and so these guys are, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, but I appreciate Nick, all this that you've given so far. I think these are very valuable things that even myself can start like wondering and asking potential people just for our stuff, just to see our range and Yeah. That's very a very interesting perspective of asking just individuals within your market, like what's the lowest and what's the highest kind of thing. So, Pear, I this has been awesome. I think people can get a lot of value on their pricing and start really thinking about where they can land to be profitable, to be more profitable. And rounding things out with that, a different random question, just not necessarily about pricing, but with everything you're doing with the books, helping people with this topic as the price whisper, 10, 20 years from now, what do you hope your impact or legacy is? Yeah, that's uh, obviously most companies are there to deliver value to com- to, to, to their clients and uh, to their customers and, and a unique value, right? right. Mm-hmm. And And if you... If you focus on profitability, you can develop 
more value and give more value to 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 your class your customers ongoing right and now there's there's just some companies who doesn't have that view and it's all about for them it's all about taking those profits and put it back into into shareholders pockets only right with less concern uh, for what value they can deliver to their clients but those are very few right and most companies, and certainly small to mid-sized companies, they are always, almost always, looking at the li- increase the value they can deliver. Yeah. Right? In, because in the end, so what I'm hoping is, and, and I'm in, in, in my latest book, The Price Whisper, the, the book is about one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's about understanding how everything matters in your company. Mm. Everything you do in the company affects how you can sell, affects how you can price. And the the overall thing, the overall theme is that if you can price for profit, you have more resource to grow your company and deliver more value to more people. Yeah. Because if we have a company that doesn't deliver any value, then there's no point. <laughs> That's awesome. Again, Pair, appreciate you and your time today sharing these insights on how to price better, how to increase profits through our pricing. Where can people connect with you? Obviously, your book's out there so they can read that. Where can people connect with you to learn more? The easiest is just do a Google search for The Price Whisper. There you go. And you'll find not only the books, you'll find I have a YouTube channel and a TikTok channel and lots of articles out there. And of course, you'll find my company as well. And it, there's a masterclass in pricing on, on, on our website. Awesome. But there's lots of lots you can read up, right? Yeah. But yeah, guys, search him, get connected, see what he's doing. Again, Pear, thanks so much for being on the show today. All right. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.